Welcome to the You Need More Money podcast. I'm your host, Matt Monero, where I come to you every week from my studio in Dallas, Texas. Look, I'm a business owner. In fact, I, I sometimes I like to call myself the, the blue-collar business owner. I mean, my customers are blue-collar guys. My staff are blue-collar guys. I'm a blue-collar guy. Um, but as I get older, I realize that there is finesse and there is science to running a big business. And one of those areas is in the interview process. I mean, it's just unbelievable to me how the interview process is so sort of cat and mouse and dodgy almost, if you will, right? It's like, it's like, it's almost like a chess game sometimes. And I just interviewed a guy earlier today, lovely guy, Really, really nice guy from uh, from the UK, now lives in the States. He's married with a family. He's a referral from one of my more successful sales guys. They've been buddies for a decade, and he wants to help his friend move up the food chain. And so, um, you know, he asked if we would give his buddy a shot, an interview. And I said, of course. So um, the guy had done the first and second interview, and then today it was his interview with me. Now, I'm going to go through on the on the podcast, I'm going to go through specific questions that I ask, the science that I go through to extract the information that nobody wants to give you during the interview process. And so this helps you both as the interviewer, but hopefully it smartens you up as the interviewee too, so that you can figure out how you're going to answer these questions. And on that front, there is no chess game. I mean, everybody like is playing this chess game when they're interviewing for work. And that's the dumbest possible thing. Dude, what you want when you're interviewing for work is the freaking truth. You want to know what is really going on in that organization. You're not jockeying for the position unless it's the position that you really want to jockey for. And that's what happens in the interview process. So many people are just laying one line of bullshit on top of the other person's line of bullshit. And nobody's even getting to the truth to figure out, is this really what I should be doing for my freaking family? I mean, how many people have taken jobs and they were they just didn't play out the way they were supposed to play out? Well, freaking shame on you, Mr. Interviewee. You should have smelled that bullshit before you went into it. So let's get into what happened today. The guy is an engineer major. Now, we do, first and foremost, we do a predictive index personality test. You do not interview with me unless I'm looking at your predictive index test. The personal, um, the DNA of the person that I'm interviewing with. Because I don't want to get skewed by the emotion or how, you know, how they dress, or even really what the strength or weakness of their resume looks like. What I'm interested in is the data. And the predictive index personality test tells me all the data that I need to know. And so this gentleman today had a very high level of ambition, a very high desire for relationship, meeting people, getting along with people. And then he was somewhat lower on the patience scale And he was very low on the structure and adherence to detail. Look, I'm in the finance business. I need people to dot I's and cross T's. We're working with financial statements and tax returns and credit reports and bank statements. I mean, we need need to make sure that that dotting I's and crossing the T's is a skill set of my organization and not not a challenge, right? So when I see someone with a very low indicator there, it makes me wonder whether or not 
they are the right fit. But oddly enough, as an engineer major, you would think they would have had a very high dot the I and cross the T scale. In the predictive index, it's called the D scale. They, they rank it on an A, B, C, or D scale. A is representative of ambition. B is representative of, of relationship, desire for relationship. A C is, is connected to patience, and D is connected to adherence to rules and details. And so we're looking, in my world, we're looking for a relatively high A. We're looking for a midline B. We really don't care about the patience piece. If I had to pick, it would be someone with low patience. And I'm looking for a relatively high D. So I'm looking for the A, the B, and the D on the test. Um, you know, in, in, exa- in, in podcasts previously, I have offered up the predictive index for the listening audience and I give it to you for free. The challenge with it today is that the audience has grown very large. I mean, I, I can't give it out to thousands of people. So I'm going to make an offer here on the podcast today. If you would like to get your predictive index, I will give it to you for free. I just need to, you to email me at mmonero at cffnationwide.com, mmonero at cffnationwide.com. Um, I would like you to have done a review of the podcast. That would be a nice trade. In the subject line, say regarding podcast PI test, and then request it. I'll forward that to Aaron in my office. Aaron will go ahead and get it pulled uh, the link pulled and set up, and then she will email you the link, and then I will forward it to you when it comes back in, all right? I, I just have to preface that. I mean, if, literally, if I get like a 1,000 um, requests for that, I'm going to have difficulty fulfilling that, but I will absolutely do my best. So uh, you guys just got the instructions there. So let's go down through this again. The guy was an engineer. He's applying for a sales position, and... Um, I was exploring this engineer thing. Look, being an engineer in college is very difficult. You have to take like 20 or 30 extra credits to be an engineer major than you do to just be a regular major. So it's a tougher road to hoe, man. The guys that I know that were engineers in college, it's a bitch. Um, And so, yeah, I wanted to figure that out, man. Why did you go to college to get your engineering degree, but now you're applying for a sales job? And basically it came down to the fact he wants to make more money, right? Well, by the way, it always comes down to they want to make more money, right? The idea of happiness is important, but when you really cut through the chase, it is about making more money. So at some point in the interview process, you got to talk about money. So let me go through my process of how I do the interview process so everybody understands. The first thing I have is the predictive index in front of me. I know the DNA of the person that I'm looking at. Now, they may or may not know their DNA, but I know it. They've taken the predictive index test way ahead of time. I have the results in front of me. And by the way, I share those results with them. I think it's rude if someone takes a, 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 a test and it's the secret sauce, nobody shares it with them. I say, would you like to know the results of the predictive index? Yeah, I was looking forward to it. Great. Let me tell you how, how it shapes up. How does it fit you? And most of the time they're like, my God, it's uncanny. It is uncanny. I'm going to look a little bit at the resume. And really what I'm looking for is very simple. I don't care where you went to college unless you said Harvard. That would be of interest to me. And I would probably ask you, what are you doing interviewing with me, right? Even though I have tons of guys in my office that make a shitload more money than guys with Harvard degrees. But, you know, there usually is a, a stereotype of someone who goes to an Ivy League school. They're not really ready to get gritty and down in the, in the you know, trenches like we have to. But I'm looking for job hop. 
I want to know, man, did you stick it out? Or did you bail after six months or nine months? And if that's the case, how many times did you do that? And that is an important factor for me. Now, if each time you job hopped and you moved up the food chain and you told me I left because I, I brought my book of business and I got paid more money and all that sort of stuff, you know, I think that's what you should be doing. It's what I talk about and you need more money. If you're in an existing environment and you're bringing value and you're performing and you're meeting expectations and for some reason they give you some BS that they can't pay you more than a 3% pay raise, you should leave that company. And so I'm down if that's the reason for it. But it's usually that they got fired. They, they worked below the expectations of the organization. They didn't bring enough value. Maybe they bitched and moaned too much and they got canned. That's really what job hopping is an indication of. It's rarely I did hop to move up the food chain like I recommend. It's usually I didn't move up the food chain and they canned my ass. That's why I had to keep looking for a job and that's why I'm here with you right now. But the second thing I look for on the resume is the professionalism. I literally want to know, is it typeset well? Did you give me six pages or did you just give me one? I prefer one. Um, Is it clearly written and concise? Do the dates make sense? And here's what I'm getting at. If you can't represent yourself in the most positive light, how are you going to represent yourself to my clients or within the organization? I mean, if you can't present yourself to the marketplace properly by putting out a decent resume, how are you going to represent me and my company? You're going to represent us the same as you represented yourself, if not worse. I mean, shit, you should be putting your best foot forward with a freaking resume, right? So if you didn't, that's a problem for me. If you can't support yourself, that's a problem for me. And represent yourself the right way. The number one question I ask, the very first question 100% of the time is this, what do you know about us? And if the answer is not much, it's over. Dude, if you're interviewing with somebody and you haven't done research, let me tell you what you're going to do with your client. You're not going to go to LinkedIn and check them out. You're not going to Google your client. You're not going to go to their website and see what you can learn under the About Us page. You're not going to learn about their services that they offer. Shit, if you can't learn about the company that you're freaking interviewing with, you're not going to do shit to learn about your customers. You have to have done some research about our company in order to be able to get past that first question for me. And I want you to tell me a lot. Because there's a lot of information. If you just Google CFF Nationwide or whatever, there's tons of information out there. Google CFF Nationwide, Google Matt Monero, Google Commercial Fleet Financing. It's pages and pages of stuff. It means you don't give a shit. It's not that there wasn't information out there. It means you don't care to go out there and research and find it. Well, that's exactly how you're going to work when it comes to clients. The number two question I always ask, is if you could design your dream job, what would it look like? I want to know what makes the person tick, right? I mean, if they said it was, um, uh, you know, it was flex hours and I could work out of my house and, um, you know, I could, um, uh, I wasn't to be micromanaged and, uh, you know, I really had lots of freedom or autonomy, I would then look for that stuff on a resume, And I would look for the fact of, well, did you have that anywhere? No, I didn't have that anywhere. Was that a reason why you weren't successful at the other places? Maybe, maybe not. 
But I want them to tell me what they really love, what their dream job is. It's so important. The third question I ask is how much money do you consider good money? Here's why. If someone tells me that they're making $50,000 a year or the opportunity that they're applying for at my company is $75,000 and they're making $50,000 and they tell me that $75,000 is something that they consider good money, they won't make it here. Because the movement from 50 to 75 won't change behavior. What I'm looking for is somebody who says, I need to make a half a million dollars a year. And I'm like, bingo, baby. Now we're talking. Now we got somebody who understands what mindset looks like and is willing to learn and improve and get better. Because in order to make a half a million a year, you got to do all that stuff. But if a guy's like, yeah, 65 grand, 75 grand would be a good year. Dude, you're not my guy. We're not going to get along, really. There's not a lot for us to talk about. You won't embrace our culture and our mindset. Another question I love to ask is, what would your last boss say about you? And usually when I ask that question, they get a big smile over their face. Because two things are happening. They're remembering for, for, for sure, but they're remembering what it, how it went down. And most of the time they will say, well, he, he, you know, he, I'm not so sure what he'd say about me. Well, dude, that's a problem for me. What I'm looking for is the guy that says, oh, he would love me. My last boss thought the world of me, but it was over his head. We had budget cuts. We lost a big contract. If that didn't happen, my boss would have kept me there. Dude, I'm down with that. I like the sound of that. And we'll, of course, check it out on the reference check. But, but if, if the guy gets a big smile over his face and he's sort of like, well, I didn't get along with my last boss very well. Dude, you're probably not going to get along with me either. I always ask this, and this is a little questionable but because it's very um, subjective. But I like this question. What is something that you're most proud of in the last six months? And a lot of times they'll tell me something from three years ago, five years ago, eight years ago. I was the number one guy in, uh, in my company. Really, what year? Well, 1994. Yeah, I'm looking for six months. Did you not hear me when I asked six months? Yeah, see, if a person isn't, doesn't have something in the last six months that they're proud of, like viciously proud of, you're probably working with somebody who really isn't on purpose and they're not really dialed into who they are. Really important question. And I want them to tell me something and I really don't care what it is. I want them to say, you know, my wife and I just celebrated 25 years in marriage. My kid just graduated from Texas Tech. Um, I just coached my kids to the city championship. I lost 30 pounds. I quit smoking. Dude, I'm down with all that. I just need some freaking success in the last six months that you recognize and therefore that you put the effort in to get. Great question. And then my last question. Do you have any questions for me? And that son of a gun better pull out a laundry list of questions. I love it when they pull out their notebook and they're like, yes, I do. I do have questions for you. By the way, you pull that notebook out in the beginning of the meeting and start interviewing me, we're going to have some problems. Dude, know your place in the interview, right? I'm the leader. I'm, I, it is my job to learn who you are. 
it is your job to learn her, who we are, and you don't need to be interviewing me unless when I ask you, what do you know about us, you tell me that you did hours worth of research. Then I'm down with answering your questions. But if you haven't done squat to learn about me or my company, and you come in and think you're going to interview me, we're going to have a problem. The last question is, do you have any questions for me? And if the answer is no, I'm good. Bad answer, man. Come prepared. Ask me those tough questions. Here's what I want you to ask me. Realistically, how much money can I make here? And maybe if you caught me on a good day, I'll pull out W-2s. I'll white out the name and social security number of my people, but I'll show you W-2s. I'll show you last week's paycheck numbers for you to have a really good idea what people can make. I'll tell you point blank, and I'll probably be very conservative about it, right? I'll, I'll take into account your experience, your sales experience, all this sort of stuff, and I'll pick that number for you, and I'll tell you what I think it might be. Maybe you'll make 90 grand your first year. Maybe you'll make 150 grand. Maybe if you've got a big book of business, you'll make 500 grand. I don't know. But I'll tell you the doggone truth if you ask me the question. But if you ain't asking me questions, it's a huge problem for me. You must ask the tough questions in the interview towards the end before you leave, and especially when the boss says, do you have any questions for me? So look, that's my quick deal on the interview process. Here's how it finished with our guy from today. I told him to go home and sleep on it. Think about it. By the way, it's pretty much what I say to everybody when I'm unsure or I think they are unsure, because I take tremendous pride in the fact that if you come to work for me, you will not be half pregnant here. I will give you everything you could possibly get to be successful. I will empty the kitchen sink on you. I will give you all the tools to be powerful and successful here. But you've got to make sure it's the right fit for you. And the same thing applies in another company, not just my company. You need to make sure that the company you're interviewing with or the company that you represent has the goods. No more selling bills of, 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 of sale or bills of goods or snake oil to your people, man. It's transparency time. Force it out of the employer when you're doing the interview and force it out of the employee when you're doing the interview. Appreciate everybody with the support on the You Need More Money book. It's kicking ass and taking names. I will see you down the road. That's our episode this week with your host, Matt Monero. Check us out every Friday at 12 p.m. Central as we discuss money, your life, and how you need more money.